You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo. In today's episode, we are recovering the coaches on the couch from last week, where Coach Philip talked with us about the anxiety and the nerves before a race. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Have fun. Good morning, everybody. Good evening, everybody. And welcome to this episode of Try Training Asada's Coaches on the Couch. Again, this time, sadly, it's just me. Uh, I think a few coaches are having holidays, enjoying themselves. And so uh, it is uh, just myself for today's episode of Coaches on the Couch. Um, so hopefully you can enjoy uh, today's episode, which we'll be talking about and discussing anxiety or pre-race nerves before an event. So uh, the first thing that um, I, I guess we need to, to kind of acknowledge when we're looking at anxiety, anxiety sorry, in sport and anxiety, pre-race nerves, et cetera, um, is trying to understand what it is that anxiety is and what leads to some of those uh, pre-race nerves. So if you think about the response that you're going to see uh, from uh, before an event, so you uh, if you're starting to feel a bit nervous or get the anxiety, the jitters and everything else, you're going to start seeing things like a slightly elevated heart rate. You might see an increased sweat rate. Uh, you might have butterfly stomach. You might start feeling that you need to go to the toilet a bit more often, uh, shortness of breath, breath uh, and a few other sort of things, which I'm sure you guys can sit there and say, oh, yeah, I feel these things. And these are, these are quite clear um, feelings that you might have around um, potentially doing something like a race or something big like that. Um, if I was to ask you to list the same sort of, uh, in the same sort of way, the things that you might experience if you were looking at being really excited about something, you know, something really cool was about to happen, you couldn't wait for it to happen, you probably list things like slightly elevated heart rate, maybe slight sweating, but butterflies in your stomach. Um, you might not need to go to the toilet quite so often. But these, um, these things will start uh, linking together. And um, the, uh, the idea behind this is that um, anxiety or anxiousness and excitement are exactly the same thing. They're just two sides of the same coin. Um, and if we start recognizing that the, the things that we're experiencing, which kind of flag up that we're anxious, are the same things that flag up to say that we're excited, um, we start diving into a little bit more the understanding of what exactly it is that anxiety in sport is and these pre-race nerves are and therefore what they're starting to give us as well. So um, if, we, if we start looking into what it is that actually um, anxious feelings, excited feelings are trying to do, um, all they are, anxiety, all it is, is your body's way of raising an awareness to you that something is not quite right. So this is a very, very primal experience. And if you go right back to um, kind of olden times, if you like, when we're living in caves, et cetera, then the, um, the kind of response you'd have is you, you, you're wanting your body to pick up these things which might not quite be right in order that you can respond. So it's activating your flight or fight or freeze mode. Um, so if you were walking along the road and you saw a stick on the ground, uh, sorry, you saw something on the ground which looked long and thin, you might think, you know, it was a stick, you might think it was a snake. 
um, what your body is trying to do is highlight you to the fact that there's something on the ground and it could be a danger. And that's essentially what your your body's doing before before a race. It's it's sort of highlighting to you that there's something which is about to happen and you just need to be made aware of it. And as a result of that, your body will then respond accordingly. So having these prenatal race nerves and anxiety within in this is a very, very normal part of racing. If it wasn't there, if you weren't doing it, then probably the challenge wasn't quite big enough for you to try and go and do because you should be feeling that oh, this is exciting. This is something which actually is pushing, pushing me outside my comfort zone. And we'll come back to that a bit later on. But the, the idea behind anxiety and nerves and these feelings are, this is something which I need to be made aware of. It's highlighting this threat. Um, and can I respond to it? And that's all these feelings are, um, which sounds really easy if you're sat there kind of as a bit of a quivering wreck waiting for the, you know, the race to start or something. It's much easier. Oh, well, it's just your body highlighting that something's about to happen. So I appreciate it's a lot easier said than done. But let's, um, let's uh, look into that a little bit more. Um, so uh, anxiety um, kind of, if you like, can be broken down into um, sort of three areas, uh, which is sort of how we feel, uh, the thoughts that we have, and the confidence uh, around that. And so um, when we look into anxiety, these pre-race nerves, how we're feeling, um, we start thinking, okay, well, We've identified those feelings, the butterfly stomach, raised elevated heart rate, uh, slightly quicker heart rate, shallow breathing, uh, butterfly stomach, all those things. Those are just the feelings. And why are they existing? We've already identified that to say, hang on a second, there's something across your path which may or may not be dangerous. But if it is dangerous, we want to be able to respond pretty quickly. And if it's not, then I'll just re you know, reset again and everything will be fine. Um, and so when we recognize that those are just Kind of a warning system recognize those things and you're me you know mentally just accept them as a warning system so yeah this is how i'm going to feel before i do something big why because that's how your body is primed to you can't get rid of them you can't actually say to your body stop having nerves stop being anxious because it is such a such a kind of basic primal response that it will do it so if you're trying to kind of feel perfect before a race and cool calm and collected you won't, and if you are, then you're not really racing. You're probably doing something which is too kind of straightforward for you. Um, think about automatic st skills that we have. You know, you you don't get nervous when you open a door potentially um, because you've done it a thousand times, and you kind of you. It's not really a challenge for you, so it's not a big big deal. If, however, you had to open the door, and on the other side could have been a uh, you know a bear or um, you know a pot of gold or something like that, there might be a little bit more either. Uh, anxiety if it's a bear or excitement if it's a pot of gold you know there could be something behind this door which is really exciting but the actual process of going through a door is something you've done many many times and so therefore you know actually you're fine but if you do suddenly have a oh, this is interesting something doesn't feel right I'm, I'm being alerted to something um, these nerves these feelings that you're identifying are just an early warning system and so they should be accepted and treated in that sort of way as well the interesting bit is that if we talk about the idea that anxiety and excitement are the same thing, just two sides of a different coin. If I tell, talk to you about if someone's feeling excited or if someone's feeling anxious, we immediately apply positive in excitement sense and negative in the anxiety sense, words or connotations around that state and that being. So 
if, for example, um, you say, hmm, I'm starting to feel a bit like I'm, you know, my heart rate's really bad because there's something there which isn't right. Uh, you know, I'm excited about something or I'm anxious about something. If you say it's not right and it's like a scary snake um, or a scary stick, it's already putting negative connotations and a negative slant onto the whole thing, which is that nerve and how you feel. If you start identifying these things as a positive thing, so we talked about it a second ago, you know, I'm excited about the fact that I'm going to go and race. This is a big opportunity for me. Yes, I'm going to be nervous because that's just the fact that I'm raising my awareness to the fact that what I'm about to do is pretty big and exciting. But putting a positive spin on those feelings and what you're starting to feel and therefore what you're about to do can help you feel a bit better about the state that you're in. So, yes, I'm sweaty. Yes, I'm hot. my heart rate's really high. Um, you know, I'm sat here doing a, a Facebook Live event or a, a podcast. And, yes, I'm actually, you know, I might be nervous. And uh, as I get kind of closer to the event, that's going to peak anxiety a few minutes before. And then once I get into the podcast or the talk or the swim or whatever it might be my peak anxiety is going to reduce off and i'm going to settle into a rhythm and we'll come into again deal ways of dealing with that but if we apply negative thoughts to these feelings we're only going to get worse if we apply positive feeling positive thoughts to these feelings things are only going to be easier so the next time you find yourself in a situation where you've got pre-race nerves and you're really nervous you're not too sure about how and what you're about to do think about whether or not you're identifying these in a positive or a negative way, because that will make a huge difference to how you then do it, you deal with it the next time, but also how you look at it every single time or that moment in time as well. So think about that analogy. There's something across the road. The anxiety, um, kind of this feeling of nervousness is deliberately there to make you recognize, to kind of highlight that something's not right. There's something across the road. Is it a stick or is it a snake? And that then starts giving you an idea that, you know, hang on a second, I'm going to um, either I'm going to freeze and let the snake pass. I'm going to run away from the snake or I'm going to take another stick and try and hit the snake, uh, snake or whatever it might be uh, as your response that you decide to go down. Um, and if we start saying that's a scary snake or I'm really scared whenever I start feeling like this, we're starting to go down that negative pattern, which is more likely to lead us around anxiety rather than I'm excited. Um, if we, if we look into the kind of the final part of that impact off anxiety, and that's going to be your confidence. So we how we feel and our thoughts around it, you know, as we do something, they're, they're going to impact how we behave. But the confidence factor is going to be significant in, in how we react to said um, occasion. So uh, confidence is, is something which can be broken down, I guess, into three parts as well. Um, you've got your innate um, confidence. So how are you as a person? Are you generally a confident person? Or, you know, maybe you're slightly more timid and that's not quite your style. Um, you also gain confidence by having evidence of having done it before and then also external belief. So I know if someone says, go on, Philip, you can do this. Um, the chances are I'm more likely to say, yeah, I can do this. If someone says, Phil, you know, you're rubbish at this. There's no way you can do this. That might be like a red rag to a bull. At the same time, it might also be a niggling doubt then, which is starting to to kind of concern me and worry me about how I'm feeling. So that external part part of it is where maybe a coach or a partner, or spouse, family, et cetera, are going to be there going, you can do it. You've got this. Don't worry. You know, don't worry if you can. Just try, try and get around this. That external bit isn't something you can really control. The innate kind of level of confidence that you have, again, is you. That might be something that you've really worked on outside of sport, outside of racing, and that's something you can bring into it. But the evidence 
of having done it before is probably the area that you're going to be able to work on a little bit more um, more easily. And and that's the area which, you know, if you've walked past a thousand sticks, you're not going to be too worried when you realize it's a stick. If you've only seen one snake, you're probably going to be a lot more worried. If you've walked past a thousand snakes and it's not been a problem of that description, you're probably going to find see have a much more measured and re response than you um, than you would have done. A bit more like a stick rather than your first ever snake. And that's where things like um, uh, racing in uh, new distances. So if you step up a distance, you might have only ever done a sprint distance and you step up to Olympic. Your first triathlon, your first endurance race, first Ironman, those things can all be quite concerning. If you qualified or you're doing your first age group qualifier, you've qualified for a championship event, all those sort of points within um, the sport are things which are going to start leading to um, another opportunity to say hang on a second i've not done this before so your confidence levels are going to be naturally just dropped a little bit because this is something you haven't got ever any evidence to demonstrate that you have actually done this so you're going to try and now build this up again a bit better so this is where training sessioning something can really improve your skills so um you're not going to have the opportunity to practice for example if you were lucky to get there in olympic games that often you might get one two some sports you might get four or five but realistically you've got to be at the top of your game to get more than one or two um, in there so you know at the very sharp end you don't know how you're going to perform in those sort of environments and there's a huge amount of pressure which comes with that environment as well which adds to the feelings and stuff it's a challenge which you've got to try and take on so you want to try and make your cognitive load as light as possible you want to try and be able to focus on the things which you really need to uh, you know control the controllables is something which is branded around by coaches left right and center and people talk about but it's really important when it comes to uh, pre-race nerves because again you can say oh i've got a high heart rate i'm breathing funny this is really worrying if you start focusing on that negatively there's not really much you can do if you accept and say i'm breathing why because i'm I'm actually about to do this really cool race. I'm really excited. Okay, now I'm going to focus on my warm-up. Um, you're starting to focus on things which are more positive and just not necessarily just distract you, but bring your focus away from this negative connotation of anxiety of nerve and really worried about this. I feel sick into, I need to now go and take my nutrition on board. I need to focus on getting through this. What am I going to do race tactic-wise? Things which are actually more positive for you as well. So the art of... Um, of kind of improving and simplifying those things is to break things down to key skills. So instead of worrying about the enormity of what you're trying to do, here I am at the Olympic Games, isn't this where it's, you know, it's crazy? Focus on the next thing you're trying to do, right? Okay, I need to go and rack my bike. What do I need to do to rack my bike? Break down whatever you're doing into much more manageable basic parts. One of the best bits of advice I remember reading many years ago before I did my first ever Ironman was um, something lines of like, just treat it as a training day. Uh, you know, you've you've done big training days before. They've probably been big days which scared you. Um, just go through the motions. It's just a training day. And actually, it took away the kind of the pressure, the fact that it was an Ironman. It took, you know, you, harder to do for maybe some things like Olympic Games when there's so many other things going on which are distracting you. But if you can familiarize yourself with many of the things that you already know, then actually that final, final top bit, which is, this is my first triathlon. This is the first time I'm racing in an age group event where, you know, there's, there's qualifiers. Everything else is the same. You've done that before. The evidence for you to having done something 
is is strong. So you haven't done maybe two or three percent of it, which has never raced a, a triathlon or you've never raced a, um, an event before. But if you've done training for it, you've done brick sessions, you've done um, kind of good nutrition planning and everything, all those things are things that you've already done. So you've got enough evidence pointing the likelihood that you're going to be okay. In which case, that confidence should help negate that anxiety and being a negative way, but actually start making it seem quite positive. Well, I'm really excited. I get to put all these things that I've just done and practiced into real kind of racing scenarios. This is really exciting. I can't wait to sort of show what I can do. It's a very different mindset, but it's just taking the same worries and concerns and things and repackaging them up in a way that actually make things a lot more positive for you and also try and make things a little bit clearer as well. So if you if you look at those um, those things, those breaking things down, whatever it might be, it might be putting your stuff into the transition zone, getting it all ready, it might be doing your warm up, etc. The other thing you would try and do is reduce that amount of stuff which is new. So we mentioned about that kind of have I done this before, evidenced it before. Well, actually, if you practice the skills in sort of a racing environment or race um, race areas, you're going to start seeing performance improvement. So we look at things very, um, very basically. Sometimes we say, look, can I, can I do the technique? That technique might be, can I do pacing? Can I do, um, I don't know, uh, jumping onto my bike? Can I do any of those things? And if I can do those things as a skill, I can get onto my bike in the way that I want to as a rolling mount or whatever. If you can hit the right pace when you're running, if you can do that as a kind of a technical skill or a skill, the next process that you need to try and look at is, can I do that when I'm tired? Because when you're tired, you're going to start seeing that that skill is going to break down. And that's the next bit, which is where training comes into it a lot of the time. And actually where nerves doesn't really come into it as much. Um, but the final part of it is, well, if I know I can do that under, under fatigue, I know that I'm, I'm working my skill, be that pacing, be that running, be that swimming, whatever it might be, and I'm doing it under, um, under fatigue then I've got a bit more evidence that I can do this. I know that I'm okay. It's not just a one, you know, one hit wonder, I got lucky. Um, the final step element is, can I do that under pressure? So what happens if I bring, if I'm doing my, my mounting skills, if I bring other people in the thing, can I, can I actually get myself into a position where I can mount and I can get around other people really quickly? Or if I can do three or four people mounting at the same time, there's a bit more pressure. Or can I do it quickly? Can I get it on against the clock? If I've got to go and do pacing and I've got other people around me on the track, can I still hit my times, even though there's other people who are distracting me and trying to make me do go faster or maybe kind of uh, pushing me to go faster as well? Um, you know, how focused can I be on what I'm trying to do? And so the more you can practice those skills in an environment which is similar to racing, you're going to have the chance to fall back on more of that evidence. You're like, you know something, I've got this. I can bash out 400 meters on the track and hit 145s consistently. I know I'm okay. I know what I'm trying to do. Um, so that then starts highlighting the things that you can actually control. So you can't control what other people are going to do. You can't control the weather. You can't control any of those sort of things. But I can guarantee if you look at something like the weather, for example, where, like, oh, my goodness, it's raining, it's really cold, et cetera. If you practice riding in the rain, if you practice with the race kit that you want to have in different temperatures, if you've got a nutrition plan for hot and a nutrition plan for cold, if you've had the opportunity to practice these things, then your confidence will be pretty high no matter what happens on the day. And the more of those little things which you do, the less new things there are on the race day, that means you've got more space to focus on anything which is new or different or exciting. Um, and that will help you control the stuff that you can control. So you 
can't control the weather, you can control your attitude around the weather. And if your attitude is, I've never ridden in the rain, or I don't know how to ride if it's slippery, it's a really technical bike course. Um, you know, you can't control that. You chose to race that race. So these things now need to be things that you're practiced and really comfortable doing. And then the more you do that, the better you're going to find it is. In the same way you race, a, you know, you ride the same route once or twice. The second time will definitely be faster because you know the route better. Um, this is where if you are finding yourself getting really nervous before an event, um, it's worth looking at the controllables um, and controlling them obviously control the controllables is that key phrase but looking at where you can bring process driven exercise and things before a race or during a race so people talk about cues um so that you've got something positive to focus on and you don't have the chance or you can pull yourself back into that mantra so you don't have the chance to worry about things which maybe aren't necessarily so positive so are you able to think about your warm-up for example if you know what your timings are for the morning, you know when race start is, you know what your warm-up is, this is what I'm trying to do for my warm-up. Okay, I'm going to try and do that. If you're really someone who does get nervous, then maybe look into some breathing stuff as the first part of your warm-up. Why? To bring everything in control, just focus on yourself. Good deep, deep breaths, and then you can start your warm-up. You go and do that, some more deep breathing, you're focusing on it, and you know what you have to do. So if you start thinking about this a bit more like a pre-shot routine, you know, baseballers have it, golfers have it all the time, people going for the... Um, the hoop in basketball as well for the um, penalty throws all these people have a pre-shot routine and the idea is that the pre-shot routine means they work off automatic so when they get to the kind of the bit which is really nervous which is throwing a hoop hitting a golf shot into the green at the end of a big competition um, or even uh, uh, or anything like that as well um, everything they've done up until that point is automatic so the next thing that they have to do which is throwing it in putting it into the arms uh, the green or whatever it might be it's an automatic movement it's just everything is built up so they almost haven't realized the enormity of the shot because they've put themselves through process and they're on automatic in the same way for triathlon you'll always have a bit of a hanging around at a starting pen but if you've done all your pre-shot routine your pre-race routine you know what you're doing you've got used to it and funny story if you practiced it beforehand so it becomes a thing you do before every single swim uh, or parts of it are things you do before every single swim, definitely every open water swim. You start getting yourself into a habit where you have a pre-race routine, which is very familiar to you. You know it off by heart. You know what you're looking for. You know what you're feeling. You know how long it will take. You can just focus on it, and you don't need to then worry about anything else. And again, that helps demonstrate the, the whole point about that evidence-based um, success. You've done this before. Um, and that's where I think a warm-up for a triathlete is a really important part. Uh, it gets you into the mode, gets you thinking about things, usually takes you away from the kind of the race area. So you're not worrying about everyone else being there and distractions by other people, um, which can really help. The other thing with, with triathlon, which I think can sometimes skew things a little bit more, is the, the fact that swimming is the first one. And a lot of people find swimming um, the weakest discipline, and they build a lot up around the swim, either because there's more cutoffs going on there, uh, but also the swim can have a much more varied environment. So if you're starting to find yourself in the sea, sea state's going to pick up. That could impact how you feel about racing. Um, again, the same sort of thing around temperature, uh, choppiness. And then the other thing is you're around other people. So you could find yourself in a situation where you have very little control over what actually happens, where you go, whose arm hits you, whatever, everything else might happen. COVID things aside, that's still an environment which you will find yourself in um, as things normalize. And also if you are finding yourself swimming around other people. So the other 
aspect of um, feeling nervous before a race is trying to work out where and why you're actually feeling nervous. So you've got those jitters before an event or before a race. And quite often, if you can identify where, where that is, it might be, might well be um, that this is actually to do more um, with your uh, performance around the swim, how your, your ability to swim in open water, your confidence around swimming around other people. Um, and, and these things, again, are they things that we can control? Yeah, they are, because we can work on working around other people. We can work on swimming with other people, get into a club environment, work with them, um, get, you know, get someone, a swim buddy to swim kind of over the top of you. You've also got the opportunity to practice the open water in different environments. Um, the more familiar you are with the environment, it's easier. There's an often a, a common thing where kind of the harder the training session, the easier race day feels. And so if you can focus on um, you know, the, the big sessions that you've done, that will give you confidence that the race is going to be easier. And the same way is true for the, um, the open water environment as well. You know, if you, oh my God, you remember that time when the waves were really big and we still managed to go and do the session and we still got in, but it was really wavy and, you know, a bit scary, but I did it. And it's kind of giving you that positive uh, impact on it. Um, and so when you look at uh, the swim area, I think the swim um, can bring actually more of a fear element into um, performance, which can exacerbate any of those feelings around race racing. So you're going to have those pre-race nerves because we've identified the fact that you're doing a challenge. That, that happens if you're not feeling anything where you've got a slightly elevated heart rate. And no matter how cool and calm the pros look, um, if they don't have any of those symptoms, they probably aren't pushing themselves to the point that they need to. Um, but if you find yourself when you're in that kind of fear mode, um, you know, you've got a real panic going on, you do have that shortness of breath, adrenaline's fueling your movements, um, you're going to find that also then you're going to start having clouded judgment. And that's where um, when you look at fear uh, and, and open water in particular can bring a bit of more of a fear into it, you're going to start really struggling to make good quality decisions and your, your mind's going to start working in that much more emotional state. Um, fight or flight modes taking over, you're going very much towards that fight or flight um, response rather than being able to be a little bit more um, mechanical or logical, clinical in, in the approaches that you're taking. Uh, your body's trying to get you out of that environment or getting ready to fight it. And that's where um, we, we need to look back into sort of evidence-based confidence and what we're trying to do. Um, and, and with all of these things, we talk about our comfort zone. Um, so for certain skills, people's comfort zone is going to be um, kind of quite large and others is going to be a little bit smaller. Um, and then outside of your comfort zone, you have a challenge zone. Um, and outside of your challenge zone is your terror zone. Um, and it, it works for anything. So for me, for example, if I was um, put into a swimming pool, that would be a pretty comfortable zone for me. I'd be pretty co comfortable swimming up and down a swimming pool. If you uh, decided um, to put me, I don't know, halfway up a 10 meter platform or the top of a 10 meter diving platform and said, off you go, um, that might be a bit more of a challenge borderline terror state for me um, in terms of where I find myself on that comfort to sort of terror or comfort challenge and terror zone. And for other people, it's going to be the other way around. You know, if someone is a 10 meter platform diver, they're going to be absolutely comfortable on top of the thing there, top of the platform. But if you find themselves at the top of a nice windy long descent and they've not really ridden the bike, they're probably going to be less comfortable going down that and they're going to be in the challenge um, area as well. 
Um, so when you look at how you respond to these things, we talked about the excitement taking over when you have yourself a good challenge. If you're starting to find that challenge veering too more towards the terror state, the chances are you're going to be finding all those nerves exacerbated because you're going to start having that kind of fear response in there as well. And the fear response is essentially the anxiety response is kind of a bit more exacerbated. But the big difference there is you're going to start finding that clouded judgment as well. And that's where going back to process, going back to, you know, these are the things that you know what you're trying to do, going to the warm up, kind of almost getting yourself to the position where you've tricked yourself into starting and suddenly, oh, the you know, peak to anxiety, a peak arousal of anxiety is going to be at the highest a few minutes before and just after the race. And then you're going to settle into the groove and, and just go and do what you've already, already done. You know, it's just a big training day. And so understanding um, with yourself where those comfort zones are and where those challenge zones are means you can start trying to make that comfort zone bigger. So if you take that swimming pool environment, you're comfortable there, you're not comfortable in the open water. Well, let's start off with a safer open water environment and go to a, kind of a small lake or an outdoor swimming pool. And then let's start going into a small lake. Then let's start thinking about where there might be sort of other things like currents or um, waves and things like that. So you might look at a river, you might look at an open water event, which is a bit bigger, so you can get a bit more chop. You then might look a bit further again and start looking at larger open water events so that when you eventually go and do your sea-based uh, triathlon, you've actually got a lot more confidence in what you can do because your comfort zone is a lot bigger. Uh, and so it might now be, if the sea is a bit rougher, it might be on the cusp of that terror to challenge line, but it's not going to be well inside that challenge, uh, that, that sort of terror point, in which case you're going to really struggle to get around the event. So I think wherever you can see opportunities to build your confidence and build that comfort zone outwards and have that evidence of what you can do, you're going to start finding that these pre-race nerves become less of a kind of a, a monopoly in your mind and your thought and your cognitive load isn't focused on, oh my God, I'm really nervous about this swim. It's really scary. I don't really want like this at all. I'm really nervous about this race. There's loads of really good fast athletes there. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of it. Um, you actually start focusing on, oh, there's a lot of good athletes there. It's a good opportunity to see how I do against these people. That swim looks really rough. I'm really glad that I've been working on my um, open water swimming in rough conditions. So you start um, start building your confidence around what you're doing. The other area about building that confidence, which I think is important to touch upon, is the attitude to failure. So um, a lot of people, especially triathletes, uh, look at trying to do an event, try and do something, and they say, you know something, I'm going to go and smash out this um this event i uh, i really want to to go and do it and they go all or nothing and for them failure is sort of not really an option it's not something they want to look at and actually in order to get to the point where they're learning from all the different experiences they need to be in a position where they are failing because if you're not failing you're not pushing that boundary you know you didn't get onto a bike the first time and ride it straight away you got on, you wobbled a bit and you came off again. Then you got off again a bit further and eventually you got to the point where you're pedaling and you're able to go for an hour and a half or two hours or whatever it might be. So you need the, those opportunities to learn by falling back a bit. And that's how you push the envelope of what's successful. So whenever you're doing these things where you're pushing those sort of boundaries, you need to really celebrate those successes because they're going to be tiny. You know, if I go back to that 10 meter diving platform example, you know, if you're someone who's not very comfortable about heights, the chances are in your first session, in your first five minutes, you're not going to find yourself at the top of the diving platform jumping off. But if you sit there and you say, well, I've only managed three steps, I'm never going to be able to do the whole platform dive thing at the 10 meters. 
you're going to find it very, very difficult to start seeing any progress. And that's going to be something which is going to impact your motivation and also then impact your kind of nerves as well, because you're going to be focusing on the fact that you can't do something. Whereas if you start recognizing that I can't do the 10 meter driving platform, but I can do three steps. And by the way, by the end of it, I can do five steps. And the next time I'm doing it off the, you know, two meter, three meter platform point, you start building a bit more confidence and you're just edging that level, which is acceptable for you and, and kind of confident for you. And that's all around your attitude for failure and seeing failure not as a kind of a pass or go thing because no one passes everything first time. They will fail. If they are not failing, they aren't learning because they aren't pushing the boundary and are actually able to take something back from that. So if you can take a more positive approach to sort of failure as an opportunity again, you're going to start seeing that confidence increasing because you're learning every time. And by learning every time, you'll be more confident about doing it. If you just went up there and did the 10 meter diving platform the first time and you're like, oh, I nailed this, I'm going to the Olympics next week. The chances are you've probably not built up a nice foundation of knowledge, confidence um, to really pull back on when you put yourself in those sort of higher stressful uh, positions, which brings us nicely back into technique under fatigue, technique under pressure. Now, you know that you can call on your skills because you've done it. You've gone through the process of learning. You've gone through the process of building that confidence up and you've gone through the process of recognizing the nerves for what they are and being able to say you know something i've got this and i know that i've got this so in summary if you kind of bring together all these uh these points i think the the, the few key things are that you're never going to get rid of any pre-race nerves it's it's impossible because you've not then put yourself in a position where you're actually doing something challenging so if you've got pre-race race nerves recognize that's awesome because that means you're doing something which is hard uh, and it's hard for you and if you generally genuinely believe you can get rid of them then you're going to find it really really hard to to actually get to the start line of a race and be comfortable and confident with what you're trying to do so recognize you will have pre-race nerves you will have pre-race anxiety and that's totally normal everybody else does the next step is to recognize that those nerves are an opportunity and it's your body just highlighting that hey you know something something's about to happen there is something in the middle of the road i don't know what it is yet but i'm just making sure that you body mind know that there is something in the middle of the road in the same way your your body is just giving you the indication that something big is about to happen so that kind of feeling is just the opportunity that something pretty big is about to happen you're about to go and do a big race and funny story you kind of already know that you you chose to be at the starting pen it's not a surprise to you like a stick might be in the middle of the path which may or might not be a snake you kind of it's it's a planned event you know what's happening you've decided to be there so you can acknowledge it for what it is yeah i know i'm racing so this is really cool this is what i wanted to do uh, it may have been a bet with some friends in a pub and a few a uh, few drinks too many but hey you know something i've done the training and here i am and then the next thing is knowing that something might be a bit of a challenge find all the different things to highlight positive response for it and then positive thoughts around it and finally what can I do to make that day as easy as possible? That comes down to training and preparation. So if you've done the training and if you've done the preparation and the skills that you need to do the event, you will find that whole experience. Yes, it will be nervous. Yes, it'll be a little bit anxious, but it's also going to be very exciting. And that's going to be what makes the difference for you going into that race with a smile on your face, going into the race, kind of feeling a little bit more nervous. So do whatever you can to sort of build up a real bank of knowledge and a bank of experience and the different skills that you want to do. So go back to one of the most commonly talked about phrases in endurance sport, which is don't use or do anything new on race day.
And that, that's exactly why, because if you suddenly sit there thinking, well, I'm going to try a new flying mount on my bike, chances are you're going to find it quite worrying when you get to the point and like, oh my goodness, I've never done this before. I don't know what it is. I, you know, new, new shoes, new kit and all those different things. But there's a reason that the, the advice is always don't try anything new on race day. And that counts with your skill set as well, what you're trying to do. So don't try anything new on race day. Recognize that nerves are just because you are pushing the boundary of maybe what you're trying to do you're asking yourself a bigger question and that's cool that's why you do the training in the first place that's why you've signed up for the race to ask yourself that question and see what you can do have a positive attitude to failure because if you don't succeed at it you're going to learn something which is going to make the success the next time more likely and enjoy the whole process of of learning and if you're doing it if you've got that approach to things you're going to build up a pretty good bank of knowledge that you can actually do this and the chances are your pre-race nerves are going to be there but they're going to be much more manageable because you'll have the toolkit to be able to deal with them. Other than that, have a great time racing whatever challenge you have. And trust me, you can enjoy it uh, a lot more if you see it as, a, as an excitable opportunity uh, more than anything else. Thank you. The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.